Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 337. Minutes, Cobb said chuckling. Quoth gave a fine speech in perfect tema. Everyone agreed with him and they all went home. And he lived happily ever after, the red-haired man said softly from behind the bar. Things were quiet at the bar. Outside, the air was dry and hot, full of dust and the smell of chaff. The sunlight was hard and bright as a bar of gold. Inside the waystone, it was dim and cool. The men had just finished the last slow bites of their pie, and there was still a little beer in their mugs. So they sat for a little while longer, slouching at the bar with the guilty air of men too proud to be properly lazy. I never much cared for Quoth's stories myself, the innkeeper said matter-of-factly, as he gathered up everyone's plates. Old Cobb looked up from his beer. That so? The innkeeper shrugged. If I'm going to have a story with magic, I'd like it to have a proper wizard in it. Someone like Taberlin the Great, or Seraphia, or the Chronicler. At the end of the bar, the scribe didn't choke or startle. He did pause for a half second, though, before lowering his spoon back into his second bowl of soup. The room went comfortably quiet again as the innkeeper gathered up the last of the empty plates and turned toward the kitchen. But before he could get through the doorway, Graham spoke up. The chronicler, he said, I haven't ever heard of him. The innkeeper turned back, surprised. You haven't? Graham shook his head. I'm sure you have, the innkeeper said. He carries around a great book, and whatever he writes down in that book comes true. He looked at all of them expectantly. Jake shook his head, too. The innkeeper turned to the scribe at the end of the bar, who was keeping his attention on his food. You've heard of him, I'm sure, Coat said. They call him Lord of Stories, and if he learns one of your secrets, he can write whatever he wants about you in his book. He looked at the scribe. Haven't you ever heard of him? Chronicler dropped his eyes and shook his head. He dipped the crust of his bread in his soup and ate it without speaking. The innkeeper looked surprised. When I was growing up, I liked the Chronicler more than Taberlin or any of the rest. He's got a bit of fey blood in him, and it's made him sharper than a normal man. He can see for an end of the page! Wow. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. Uh, this is such a good troll. <laughs> this is such a good troll. <laughs> Top tier trolling. But it's also one of my favorite sequences of the book because I think it really drives home like the message of the book or at least what the book is trying to explore which is how the truth of something can spin out and become a story and once that story is widely accepted enough it becomes the truth Mm -hmm. and it also illustrates like how how these stories can kind of get jumbled up and how they can get put into the form of like a fairy tale because fairy tales invariably include a lot of common elements like 
you know, someone having mysterious parentage or someone having a magic sword or someone having be- been given a quest by a cruel king in order to win the hand of a princess. Like all of that stuff is very stock, you know, mythology stuff. And Quoth is so knowledgeable about stories that he can just basically start bullshitting, drawing from common elements of legends and he can trust that it'll like take on a life of its own and people will start adding on bits of it and it'll all feel as cohesive as a fairy story inevitably does. So the thing that Coat is doing where he's sort of building this story that doesn't quite exist yet feels like a very Quothy thing to do, but they refer to him as Coat on the page. It's very, it's, it's, it is, it is sus as one would say. <laughs> It is. I mean, like, it's in, like, I, I don't know how direct the like Coat Quoth omniscient narrator reference goes. Um, I think it's sort of like whatever mode the Coat character is in is what is reflected by the narration. But they're still the same person, even if they change fundamentally on some level when they switch. They still are the same person, and Coat Quoth still has his wit and his sense of humor and his uh, troll powers. Like, I don't think it's as much that he is like fundamentally altered so much as how people see him is fundamentally altered, right? People are still seeing him as the innkeeper in this because no one except for Chronicler and Bast know that he's not just an innkeeper. Yes. Great. (laughs) All the details are coming up so we can look at those details. On a future page. Mm-hmm. Yes. But Much he's also... Discussed, but just not today. Well, he's also just good at dropping the bait and waiting for someone to take it. Because all he says is, you know, he includes two characters who are known characters in the Legendarium. And then this Although, third guy... I don't think we've heard of Seraphia before. Right. But I think we can assume, because Graham doesn't say, I've never heard of her either, that she, that she is someone they're familiar with. And then he drops in Chronicler, who he has made up on the spot. And he just waits because he knows someone's going to ask him, wait a minute, that one doesn't sound familiar. One of these things is not like the others. And of course, it's not Old Cobb who speaks up because Old Cobb's whole thing is that he is the know-it-all. And when he encounters a piece of information that he doesn't know, he doesn't want to let on. that, like, oh, I don't know that one. Because as we'll see later on, he claims that he's, of course, I've heard of Chronicler. What are you talking about? And he's the one who tells the stories about Chronicler at the end. He's the one who's like, oh, yes, and Chronicler, you've heard this one, I'm sure. And he goes off. (laughs) I think that's about it for me. Yeah, not a lot on this page because a lot of it's coming up. All right, well, I have a story for you called the Mr. Mailbag. And they say if you reach inside his mouth, you pull out a letter written by the listeners to us to read. And also... Uh, if you fall asleep with your ear facing upward, then he can crawl inside mm. and replace your insides with a mailbag. Why would you do this? Why? Well, see, the version I heard is that he like engulfs no, your no, brain, like he opens right. his no. little drawstring no. bag mouth and like wraps it around your brain. Yes, I've heard that he hollows out the insides of his victims, and then when he's ready, uh, he takes your head with his drawstrings, like a little upside-down marionette, and pops out of your body, leaving it behind a shriveled husk, and bounces down the street, your head, now his head, at the top. Mm. He also is partial to redheads, I've heard. Mm. Nom, 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 nom. 
This letter is from Philippe, who writes uh, an encrypted message regarding pages 314 and 315. Hello, pagers. I expect this letter finds you well. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I feel like I've been, like, commanded. You better be well, you smugs. <laughs> Being pen pals with the trio and our fellow listeners has been a joy in these dark times. In my read, this letter serves, among other things, to tell the reader, quote or us, that she is... Le- Sorry, let me back up a bit. Uh, this is on... Uh, he writes in regards to the letter that Dennis sends to Quoth. In my read, this letter serves, among other things, to tell the reader, quote or us, that she is learning Yellish knots. This sequence comes not far after she inquires Quoth, Sim, and Will about the magic of writing something and making it so. In my headcanon, Quoth and Denna are on different sides of the same mission. Quoth needs a patron whose name can open doors to private libraries and archives in order to learn more about the Amir and the Chandrian. Denna has already found such a patron, but it's not his name that opens doors. It's the secret art of knots that she uses to find out secrets. She's an awesome spy, and her mission is writing a song for Lanra. So just jumping through the letter she read, uh, she writes, she writes, um, uh, I'm fond of Imra, but it is an expensive city in which to live, and my prospects have grown slender of late. They were not. She's had enough money to gift Quoth an expensive loot case and pay off another friend's debt. Something else pulled her away from Imra. Uh, Yill is lovely, all rolling hills. It seems I might pass an entire winter without being brought to bed by my lungs, my first in years. At the time she wrote this letter, she was in Yill. I have spent some time in the small kingdoms and saw a skirmish of two bands of mounted men. I've spent some time afloat as well and learned all manner of sailors' knots and how to spit properly. If you ask me politely when next we meet, I may demonstrate my newfound skills. She's all but saying, I'm in Yill, learning how to make knots. Uh, That's the letter. And I think there is something to parse in there. I do think that the Yill and knots are true. I think like the fact that she's in Yill and the fact that she's been learning knots 100% 100% true. And we know that she comes back with not knowledge. Um, I do feel like there may be more code tied up in it that Quoth doesn't interrogate and neither do we. Um, although I will say that she did have to hawk her earrings in order to afford the, or no, her necklace. She had to hawk her necklace to afford the, uh, the loot case. So it's not like she is getting a major income in Imra. Certainly yeah. she's like, you know, she manages to pull uh, money together when necessary. And she had, she was flush with cash at that time. Yeah. I I just want to interject that. I think the reason that her prospects have grown slender is because she has just incurred a few large expenses by getting both a nice loot case and paying off that guy's debt. Like maybe her, maybe that made her broke and have to go seek her fortune elsewhere. It's possible. I think it's more like she, you know, she pissed off the wrong people or something like that. It could be both. True. What? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Mm -hmm. Now, where would there have been a skirmish? Here's what I, I, this just occurred to me. What if she's traveling with Cinder's, um, with Cinder and the bandits? What if? Okay, what if? I'm just trying to think, like, where where is there a skirmish right now? Where do we know that there is uh, is armed conflict? Um, we know that she's traveling toward uh, Severin, because that's where she ends up. Although she's apparently in Yill, which is kind of out of the way, isn't it? Yill is, like, way out there. Anyway, all this is to say, I agree that there is some kind of code hidden. Yeah, Yill is, oh no, Yill is an island, so it actually kind of makes sense that she would stop off there. 
Um, it's right across the ref from Tarbine, so it's actually not far at all. It does seem a little out of the way from the small kingdoms, but if anything else, we can like trace her path, right? She goes to Yil, then she travels across the Sente Sea to the small kingdoms, and from there into Vintus, where she gets to Severin. Uh, but I also agree that they are on two sides of the same conflict. Um, I think it's more than just like they each have what the other one's looking for, which is a patron uh, and access to secrets, but it's that they each are entwined with the organization that the other one is seeking information about. I think Den is entwined with the Chandrian in some way or other, and I think Quoth is entwined with the Amir in some way or other. Yeah. That's a good read. Good. We all agree. Here, here. And Righto. And as usual, we will all agree on tomorrow's episode of... What's that? Oh, sorry. There's like a little... I thought it was just a shadow, but it's just an old... It's an old rumpled sack. I'm just going to go and... Uh, just going to put this old rumpled sack... Away. Oh, no! <laughs> Wind? <laughs> yes friends podcast friends <laughs> if you have letters send them i desire your letters <laughs> peace of the way